Hello and welcome to another episode of State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Rapay. He's Chris Danziel. Chris, I think we got a lot to talk about today. Let's just hop into it. Yeah, let's. Last night at Hinkle Fieldhouse in Indiana, the number one Wildcats took on the number 18 Butler Bulldogs. And it's been a long time. Very long time since this has happened, but Villanova lost 66-58 to to the Bulldogs with the loss that is actually Butler's first win over Villanova since conference realignment. Chris, what do you got to say about that? I'm, I'm not angry today. I'm not angry. Slept on it a little bit. And even, even after the game, I really wasn't too upset. I predicted that they would lose, so I had an f- inkling going in that they would obviously they would lose, and I can bear with it easier. But we lost because we just didn't get the performance from our star players. Chris Jenkins still lost in the woods. Josh Hart had a completely off game. Uh, Mikhail Bridges didn't even score a point, which was completely shocking, and he had probably one of the worst decisions to take a deep three when we were kind of in the danger zone a little bit. And Eric Pascal didn't score. Dante had another bad game, but he it wasn't as bad as his past games. Honestly, Jalen was the only player I was satisfied with coming out. And Daryl had himself a solid game. He did what he had to do. If everyone else contributed like they were supposed to, I, I think we win this one pretty easily. But just it just wasn't meant to be. The Hinkle magic is, is real. Going into the game, we talked about last time, Ken Palm gave Nova a 54% chance of winning. Had Nova as a one-point favorite. It didn't look like that in the first half. What went wrong going to the second half? What did you see that you just didn't like? I don't I don't, I don't know if it was really anything. They I liked the way they were playing for the majority of the first part of the second half. It was towards the end that it got a little sloppy. I thought we got out of control a little bit. We didn't slow it down enough. We were taking horrible shots. The shot management was terrible. It reminded me of last year a lot, of beginning of last year. Josh was on the bench here uh, on and off because of his foul trouble, so he wasn't able to get into a groove. Not that I'm making excuses for his performance, but I feel like that definitely contributed. Chris Jenkins' shot selection was terrible. As a result, he was only able to hit three of nine from deep and four of 11 from the field. Bridges looked he looked like he was handling a grenade out there he just passed the ball off to his to the nearest teammate didn't really look to, uh, around to facilitate like he's used to or at least cut to the basket uh Eastman he was at least driving and he got some key boards but he he's taken too many threes three he only took four shots on the night three of them were from deep and they all looked hard like they didn't look right like he I don't know what he does but he, like he sticks out his leg now I, I don't know if this is new that he he added in but he kind of sticks out his leg and he just looks off I don't know if that's just what the coaches told him to do, whatever. And then Jalen didn't have the ball in his hand enough. We were discussing this during the game, actually. We were going back and forth a little bit that this Jalen should have said, This is my game. Let me take over. And I feel like if that would have happened, it would have we would at least maybe have gotten into overtime. Maybe we pull out a slim victory. But I guess it just wasn't meant to be. Josh wanted to do his thing and you uh, just turned the ball over way too many times. Towards the end, I feel like you got to give the ball to your hot hand. You got to give right. it to who's hot. I felt like there was not enough ball movement in the second half. But then also, Josh Hart, just like Villanova finally lost, he finally had an off game. He just was not that impressive. He was 3 of 11 on the floor, 1 for 5 from long range, 13 yeah. points, 8 rebounds. He got stripped towards the end. That made it, I think it was a 4-point or 6-point game. 
They made it six. Yeah, that was pretty much the dagger at that point. Yeah, Villanova gets that big stop. He start, He tries to dribble it down in transition, gets the ball taken from him, and then gets converted to an easy layup. Mm-hmm. That that right there just hurt Villanova's chance. It, it did, and then I think it was like the next possession, or it was the possession before, I don't remember, but Butler got an and one, and Josh committed a soft foul to lead to the end one. I mean, if you're going to foul him, foul him hard, and or you just don't foul at all. Make up your mind. So it, it was just a poor game by him. I mean, it happens. Yeah, then you had a couple goose eggs. I mean, you mentioned Pascal had zero. Bridges had zero. Chris Jenkins had double figures, but he wasn't that efficient. Mm-hmm. Daryl only scored five points, but, you know, he was pretty good on defense. I like what I saw from him. I agree. It's clear that Daryl Reynolds isn't one of the top options or the top weapons on offense. So you just accept it. Mm-hmm. But Jalen Brunson, great game. Another great game for him. They should have capitalized it, or they should have, you know, fed him the ball a little more. Yeah, they should have emphasized the hot hand, as you said. He was driving to the basket real well, smooth moves inside the post. He looked like a big like big man out there with all those types of post moves. It was crazy. I mean, he didn't have his three-point shot going for him tonight like he did the other day. He only won a four from deep, but it's... Like you gotta go to him. You can't. You can't just give it to a guy who's obviously struggling and hasn't been able to get into a groove all game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He had a game high twenty three points. It was just. It was just not Villanova's night at all. It was just not. No, and it was to a good team. Butler's a good team, especially on the road. It's a very hard task to beat this team. This isn't like we we went into on the road against St. John's or the Paul and lost. Like that would have been an infuriating loss. This, I feel like we're taking a little bit better because of the opponent. And it's also a team that frankly, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I don't hate them. I like them. I like Butler. I like Butler before they joined the Big East and I've liked them since they joined the Big East. I think they've been a welcomed addition. I like their players. I like what they stand for. They don't pretty much clean of any controversy. They always provide some nice tournament runs here and there. So I like them. So it's not like losing a Seton Hall or to a heat arrival like Seton Hall or to a bad team like DePaul. Yeah, the Hinkle magic is definitely real. I think we were talking about this. If this game was at the Pavilion, I think Villanova wins by 15 easily. Oh, agreed. They are definitely sh- circling the Butler game on their calendar now and just going to absolutely take them out back and wreck them. Just something about Hinkle Fieldhouse. They haven't lost there yet at all this year. And mm-hmm. you just see the defensive effort they put on Nova, holding Nova to shooting below 40% overall, and then an ugly 6 of 26 from long range. You're not going to yeah. win many games shooting that. No, not at all. And that was pretty – it was pretty – like we, we were talking during the game. We we're like, how is this game only – what was it like – when we were talking like 50-51 at that point, like this is a low-scoring game. They actually might not eclipse 60. So Butler's defense was very good, and you got to hand it to them. On the offensive side for Butler, 15-15 from the line. It made up for their horrific three-point shooting night, 5-20 uh, from deep. But when you're hitting your free throws, especially in late-game situations, it doesn't matter. Exactly. It's important to be money coming down the stretch, and they were just not missing from the line. They also had a pretty good effort from Keith and Savage off the bench, 13 points, 4 for 6. Five for five from the line. This is a guy who's usually, he's one of your rotational guys, and he's performed just as good as a starter. That's going to hurt opponents. I agree. The other important thing, too, is Butler owned the boards. And Butler's not exactly what I would call a big team. No, they weren't. Outside of Shrabis, they they really aren't that big. They're probably on par with Nova, yet they held about a nine-board advantage. I know. It was was a pretty big disparity. and And you started realizing it toward the end that, wow, we aren't getting the boards that we're supposed to. I mean, Travis had seven. Kayla Martin had six. These are your star guys grabbing boards. And then you had Fowler off the bench, who was a pretty tall dude. But he only had two boards. And then Woodson off the bench, he had three. 
and he's a guard. So we were just getting outworked inside. We, we knew that was a deficiency coming in, but like you said, Butler's not that big of a team. I thought we could at least you know, keep it even, maybe even win the battle of the boards with, with some luck. You're pretty calm. You're acting pretty calm. I mean, you were, yeah. you were more upset when Nova beat DePaul. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and what was the other one? Uh, LaSalle. LaSalle. LaSalle, yeah, yeah. That one. Yeah, that brought out Angry Chris. Just based off your attitude, I don't think we should hit the panic button. I mean, this is no. they have a tough stretch. They got another one. Yeah, they got Marquette next, but after that, they got Xavier. You're not worried about that one either? No, I'm, I'm worried. I'm even worried about Marquette to a little bit of an extent, wondering how they're going to respond to a loss for the first time. And, and I want to see how our senior class leads this team after a loss because it seemed like with Arch and Chef at the helm, whenever we lost, we kind of kicked it into high gear the next few games and didn't lose for a while. That's why I'm a little maybe a little uneasy for the next few games, but I, I think we should be okay. No need to hit the panic button. Lost to a good team. Uh, we got outplayed. But I didn't, I didn't hate the way we played, but I didn't love the way we played. I think we just played a semi-okay game, and we just got beat by a better team on the road. It happens. Now, going into the season, leadership was a big question. Mm-hmm. You know, how would this class of seniors, Dale Reynolds, Chris Jenkins, Josh Hart, kind of take the reins? They've been sitting behind Ryan Archie Diakono and Daniel Chefu, who combined between the two of them have Six years of being captain experience. Mm-hmm. The Wildcats haven't really been tested that much this season in, in late game situations. Right. Where do you see the fortitude? Where do you see the the willpower towards the end? Where do you see their mental toughness? How does it compare to last year, do you think? Ooh, compared to last year. <laughs> well, that's it's a completely different animal, I feel like. I'm not I don't mean to go crazy with a hot take here, but I feel like if Arch and Chef were leading this team if this was last year, I don't think we lose this game. I just feel like, I mean, obviously, if you had those players on the team, the, the team's obviously better because they were just such great players. But if you're t- talking from a leadership perspective, I just feel like we wouldn't have faltered in the late game situation. I don't feel that Josh would have felt the need to push the ball when he had clearly had enough time and enough teammates around around them to facilitate an offensive possession that we could have worked and cut into the lead. I think Arch would have slowed it down and worked it inside. I feel that Chef... Wouldn't have allowed for this big rebound differential to happen. I mean, I, I, it's all substan- like substantial stuff. Like, you can't – they're gone. I, I have to accept that fact. But I, I do think that these seniors right now, Hart, Jenkins, and Reynolds, they will lead this team to a deep run in the tournament because they've been there before. They know how to do it. But if you look at last night's game, if you're t- talking about leadership based on performance, it just didn't seem like they had it. It didn't seem like they kind of faltered. They kind of willowed a little bit. They wanted to back away. And and frankly, they wanted, it, They should have just let the sophomore take over, which speaks to about the, the leadership with that. So maybe Jalen fills a leadership role that maybe that Arch left behind and maybe Josh, Chris, and Daryl can't necessarily make up. It's definitely not easy. I mean, especially when you're a senior and you're telling yourself you have to defer to a sophomore. Mm -hmm. But there was just something about the game that you could just tell once it became a certain point, I would say probably with two or three minutes left. And it wasn't even pessimism. And it wasn't even kind of, oh, you know, I'm just going to play it safe and expect the worst. You could just tell that there was something about their demeanor. They were not going to win that game. No, I, I 100% agree. It just didn't feel right. And this didn't feel like their night. You, you said it before. It just didn't feel right. They weren't. I don't think they were mentally locked in as they usually are. Performance suffered because of it. Yeah, that heart strip that led to a layup to make it a six-point game towards the end, that was definitely the death knell right there. 
Yeah, it was. It was an incredibly frustrating play because if if that's like Jalen doing that, like, all right, you maybe you could give him a break. Or if it was Dante, you could just be like, you feel like, oh, of course Dante does it. But it's Josh Hart. You shouldn't be making those types of plays. I mean, let's talk about Dante. You brought him up. Phil Booth, still in the suit, still on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. We've talked about it. When Villanova's had those close calls, definitely feeling that the Wildcats are, were missing Phil Booth. They could have easily used another body tonight. Yeah, I agree. It, I mean, Dante, he wasn't the problem tonight. Dropped six points. He hit, he hit a big three. I think it was toward the end of the second half. Three or four from the line. I mean, he didn't play terrible. He didn't really have any big gaffes that stuck out to me. A few of his shots were a little ill-advised and looked pretty bad off the, coming off his hand. But you know, other than that, like you need, you need Phil, though. Because Dante shouldn't be playing these extended minutes, it would have gave it would have gave Jalen a little bit of a breather. Maybe you could have rested Bridges, who wasn't performing well at all. Yeah, you need you need to fill because you don't need Dante playing all these minutes right now. And it would have it would have spelled Bridges too. Uh, last night he wasn't playing the best, so he had to get on. If you keep him on the bench, you put Phil in there. It's a, maybe it's, it is a whole different game. But I think I think you sent this to me. I don't remember. Maybe I just saw it on Twitter. But it's Jay said he still weighs away. What is going on? I think he might just medically redshirt at this point. Definitely concerning. Yeah, he's not coming. It does not look like he's coming back anytime soon. Because I feel like when you are at that point, there's you know there's news of you practicing. There's news of you running around. Mm-hmm. Or you're definitely not in a suit for extended periods of time. Yeah, someone on campus with Snapchat probably would snap a pic of Phil Booth doing sprints on the soccer field or something. If, if that were the case, if he was running around. But... Like, I don't want to be left in the dark with this. Like, okay, you're saying he's ways away, but are you saying that he's going to redshirt? Are you saying that he has a serious injury, knee injury, or you just don't feel that he's game ready yet? Like, make tell us. Like, we want to know as fans, and I feel like that we should, we have the right to know as well, because this team is not going to win the whole thing with this seven-man rotation. It's just not going to work. No, no way, no I, way. I mean, yeah, you, you would agree with that. It just, it just can't you're going to get tired too often and then it's just it's just not going to work you don't have the depth for it and if you had Omari maybe it could have gotten away with Phil's injury but now you don't have Omari you don't have Phil it's this is going to be a tough stretch so please if just if you're going to redshirt just tell us now that way I can just accept the fact that he's not coming in for this year and then I can just mentally prepare myself for the rest of the year you mentioned it no Spellman all right that hurts but then you lose another starter or a starter type caliber player. Now you now you're down two valuable contributors. You're one away from panic, absolute panic. No team oh, yeah. will go far with a seven man rotation. Yeah, you could definitely probably squeak into the second weekend if not. But if the goal is obviously a national championship, that's that's just not happening. I wonder if that's what Jay's thinking of. Like, am I going to rest him and that way he's healthy for March? Because right. Villanova is going to make it, even if they lose this game and a couple more, there's going to be a tournament team. You know, let's not kid ourselves. Right. But depth is definitely an issue, and it's games like these where that issue is just magnified and highlighted. Yeah, it, it really is. It's it's put on it's it's probably the reason why we lost tonight. Other than the poor performances, I feel like we could have gotten away with the poor performances if Phil was in there eating up some valuable minutes that you take away from Pascal, DiVincenzo, and Bridges, and maybe he plays a good game, and then you win. I mean, all speculation, though, so can't really get mad about that. But, yeah, I agree. This, I, I think 
they'll get to the Sweet 16 with this rotation. They just have too much talent not to uh, knock on wood. But, <laughs> but yeah, w- one injury to anyone, like let's say Jenkins goes up for a rebound and rolls his ankle. What are we going to do? We would be in deep, deep crap. <laughs> and and we've been pretty lucky with the injury bug for all our four years at school and not so much now this year. You know what else was a bad omen? What was? With about 8.31 left in the first half, Nova was up by one. And then Jay Wright just has a <sighs> home and back moment. <laughs> He's got like five guys holding him back. He's ready to like maul the ref. And then he gets teed up. It's not every day Jay gets teed up. No. I was trying to think of the last time he got teed up. Do you know when? I couldn't think of it. I want to say it was a couple of years ago. Yeah. Or last year. But he's definitely been teed up before. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. I just I can't remember. I can't remember, think of it off the top of my head. I, what what exactly happened? Do you know what happened? Because I, I actually was eating dinner and I had my back to the TV when that happened, of course. <laughs> well, it's not 100% sure, but – Allegedly, from what I've gathered from sources after the event, mm-hmm. it's, I believe, Bridges took a three or shot, a, shot the ball. I don't know where he was on the court exactly. But he shoots the ball, and the refs called it an air ball. Jay Wright claims it was tipped by a Butler defender and just got upset, which I feel like is definitely not something to, to you know, smash water coolers over. No. But, hey. I mean, you're Jay Wright. You get paid the millions to do this. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I didn't think that the refs were that bad for him to go bonkers like that that early. So, and he must have just had a bad day, or maybe I, I don't know. Or Jay. Yeah, maybe also, were, maybe there was a string of bad omens just just leading to this that no one got to see. Right. Yeah. Or maybe he just wanted to light a fire under their butt. Who knows? Because they can they kind of sort of come out flat. Who knows? That, but also, that's the other thing, too, you know, bringing that up. One thing I liked about that, and obviously you shouldn't be celebrating technical fouls of any sort. Right. But it just shows Jay cares. You know, yeah, you're you're 14-0 undefeated. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as complacency in the Villanova locker room. And while they did lose today, I don't think that this is going to be the beginning of a collapse of any sort or anything like that. Right. I agree. And, and I know you – weren't a Villanova fan at the time, but during 2010, the 2010-2011 season, Villanova had a string of games where they just fell apart, and it looked like Jay just did not care. That he was lost a the locker room. That yeah. was a collapse. Yeah, lost the locker room. No one cared on the floor, in the coaching staff, player-wise. It did not matter who you were. If you were associated with Villanova basketball, a game day was basically a living hell for you. You just didn't want to go out there and play. And But that is a complete 180 now. I give them full props for taking the technical. I, if you want to light a fire, that's how it gets done. Even if it is greeted with much disdain from the Butler crowd who kept chanting, Jay Wright sucks for some reason. Wasn't the 2010-2011 season when Nova was ranked, I think, in the top five, and then by the end of the season they were just not there anymore? No, they were. They yeah, they were top five, and then, I don't actually know. I don't know if they were top five. They were definitely top ten. But and then they then lost they, a lot, a lot. They lost a lot at the end. Big East play. They even lost a big upset in the Big East tournament. I think it was to South Florida. And then they went into the tournament as an eight seed somehow because for some reason the committee loved Villanova for a little bit of a stretch there. It gave them an eight seed. Really didn't even deserve to be above a 10. 
and then they got promptly beat by George Mason. So, and that was when uh, two players broke, or one player broke bro code, and one with, the other one was not happy. No, this was the, this was the year after. Oh, Scotty, that's right. That's Scotty, right. That's right. You're right. You're right. Scotty and Corey's big thing was 2009, 2010. They were a two seed. Then they lost to St. Mary's right. in the second round. Yes. But yes, in that season too, they also collapsed at the end. They had a few bad. They had a tough schedule at the end of the Big East play. Uh, they, I remember one of the losses being to West Virginia, which they were up pretty big at home, and then they collapsed, and that kind of just. Uh, avalanche into something bad, and then they blew a big lead in the Big East tournament to Marquette. But the year I'm talking about was the year after that when they were also top 10 and then just yeah. absolutely yeah. fell apart, like even more so. So it was, uh, but yeah, like you said, it, Jay cares. So hooray. <laughs> Next up for Villanova is its first Wells Fargo Center game of the season. Lots of great memories at the Wells Fargo Center. Mm-hmm. Probably helped <laughs> them flush out what just occurred. Yeah, hopefully. The students are still away at break, but you always got to get excited for these games. There's only so many of them per each year. Right. The Wildcats will be taking on the Golden Eagles this Saturday at 7.30 p.m. I've always wondered, why do they schedule Marquette at the Wells Fargo Center? Is there is there a large population of Wisconsin or like Marquette <laughs> fans, alumni in the air, in the Northeast that I just don't know about? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, my friend actually goes uh, went to Marquette. I went to high school with him. He actually wrote an article, helped me write an article for the bench mob. He did a Q and a with me last year. Uh, so I, I mean, there's one, there's definitely one alum, alum this, <laughs> but I, I guess they just schedule them because they're kind of a big game, kind of not. And I think you always have to kind of do that just because you got to balance out the schedule a little bit. Cause if you're just playing all the big games at Wells Fargo, I kind of feel that takes away from the pavilion a little bit. So I think they kind of just throw Marquette in there because it's big enough, but it's not too big. But that's what St. John's is for. Oh, God. Remember that last year? <laughs> I mean, they, they do play St. John's again at the Wells Fargo Center. Wait, they do? Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. Oh, boy. Why? <laughs> I, you know, I, I get it when they were good and or when they were decent. Like, all right, yeah, have at it. But, oh, you know who else uh, played St. John's and lost? Our friendly Butler fans. <laughs> yes, yes, they. You know, just a just kind of a sad reminder that Butler did lose to St. John's last week. But hey, you know, storm, storm all you want. I, I storm. I got to storm a court. It it was fun. It was definitely fun until you get into the middle, and then you're like, oh great, great. I just want to leave now. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, that, you just, yeah. you just get into the middle, and then you just get pushed it towards the middle, even more. And then yeah. you're you're just standing there looking at the guy next to you who's sandwiching you. And then you're like, sorry, bud. And he's like, yeah, I, don't worry. <laughs> I yeah, I remember, yeah, freshman year when we did that. It's funny because actually doing a court storming is so different than what it actually appears on TV, I feel like. Because you got to tell your friends, we'll meet, meet at me at this place at this time like, <laughs> after we all break out. Because, like, you don't realize – it, it is literally a madhouse. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like a whirlpool. Like, you, you you can come in at Section 105 area, and you'll end up in, like, 132 <laughs> by the time you're done. Yeah, the, the middle is like a, like a magical like transportation device. It just shoots you wherever else it wants. It's also definitely a lot more cooler and magical on TV. Yeah, it wasn't. It didn't really. I mean, I love storming the court against Syracuse. It was definitely but, a great week for Villanova, but wow. Yeah. <laughs> 
it it, it kind of the fact that everyone was shoving and being a real a hole about it didn't really make me too happy about it. But anyway, on the bright side, these kids nowadays won't know what that feels like. We got to experience that at least. Right. Yeah. Now we'll just win every game by twenty five against lesser opponents. So. So back to the Golden Eagles. Oh right. They're ten and four. They're one and one in Big East play. Most recently, they they lost a close one to Seton Hall. This is a Marquette team that has done well so far, despite a few setbacks. They had two players transfer out since the start of the season. Sandy Cohen and Philly native Tracy Carter. Still recovering from his uh, <laughs> technical foul from last season. <laughs> which he yelled obscenities at the Villanova bench after draining a corner three. Mm-hmm. Can't really repeat them on this show, but... No, no, never on this family-friendly show. <laughs> and then they bring in Caden Reinhardt, a grad transfer who's played at USC and UNLV. They had high hopes for him, but the man is just... just I don't think underperforming begins to describe what he's doing. Yeah, my Marquette friend absolutely despises him. He's He actually hates him more than we dislike Dante, and that is saying something. Like, I don't think he has a green light, but in his mind, <laughs> green light's all over the arena. All over yeah. the arena. <laughs> it's all cooked up in his head. And, and just when you think he would learn his lesson by being benched after starting the first few games of the season, he's still hacking them up. Oh, yeah. Just with reckless abandon, too. There is no, there is no stopping him. And it's, so, it is, it's pretty bad, terrific watching him. Yeah, so if you're a Villa, if you're a Villanova fan, definitely root for the ball when it's in his hands. And, and, and yell shoot. He'll actually do it. He will do it. <laughs> oh yeah. Like when he gets the ball, you don't boo him, you cheer for him. <laughs> yeah, but now now we just jinxed it because now he'll go five and five from three. You know, so Yeah, yeah, he'll guys. he'll set a new Marquette record and then he'll be like, I told you Wojo, I can do it. And then the next <laughs> game he'll go like one for twelve. Uh-huh. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. That is definitely going to happen. So Marquette's got a pretty tough January slate. They've got Nova twice, Butler and Creighton's in the mix, all back-to-back. What can we expect from the Golden Eagles? Well, they're actually pretty good offensively, which is kind of a shock because Henry Allenson's no longer in the team, and I think you actually predicted that. I think I think you gave the Patrick Ewing effect to Henry Allenson leaving Marquette, and they would actually be better offensively because of it. They actually rank in the top 25 Ken Palm's offensive efficiency rating. They are shooting just over 40% from deep, so they, they do have the ability to knock down the deep ball. They're 55% from inside the arc, and they have the second highest free throw shooting percentage, 81.4%. Why do we keep facing teams that shoot good from the line? I don't get it. Just always uh, – maybe we'll – it's – <laughs> yeah, maybe it's supposed to be like a visual learning tool. Like you see, this is how they shoot the ball, so maybe it'll rub off on us. <laughs> you, I mean, you would hope so. I, that's my only. That's the only explanation that makes sense, I guess. And they are a fast-paced offense that thrives in transition, and that is kind of scary to read because Villanova's transition defense, especially against Butler last night, was horrific. It's not good. Very lost. No one's really picking up their man. Blowing assignments everywhere. Let's let's hope that they correct it for uh, for Saturday, and then some key players. Jawan Johnson. He took a big step from last year. He's continuing an upward trend for his final season. He's averaging a team high thirteen points per game, five boards, and is over fifty percent from the field. 
Luke Fisher, I feel like he's been there forever, at least 10 years. He's a big, big man, and he's pretty efficient, 64% from the field. That's, that's, that's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> he's also averaging 13 points per game and is averaging six boards per game as well. Anif Cheatham, who I always liked whenever we play Marquette. I like watching him play. I don't know why. He, he is the uh, Swiss, Swiss Army knife for the Golden Eagles. He's kind of similar to Johnson in playing style. Uh, but he does score a little bit less. He's averaging 11.5 points per game. And then lastly, Marquette has two impact freshmen, Sam Hauser and Marcus Howard. They're both averaging over nine points per game. Hauser shooting 46% from deep. So he is a shooter-shoot type guy. And if you think that's good, Marcus Howard is lights out from deep, shooting over 50% from three, 53.7% to be exact. So Villanova's going to have to up that three-point defense against these two big-time freshmen. I know Marcus Howard was their big get. I think he had like a pretty cool announcement video to go along with it. And I don't, I don't remember Sam Hauser being that lauded coming out of high school, but he's uh, produced pretty big so far for Marquette. So I've been on the Creighton bandwagon, the Watson bandwagon. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some other bandwagons I've been on? Uh, wow. They're all – The Indians bandwagon. Now – if I had a guilty pleasure, I have a secret crush on Marquette. I don't know what it is. I just love Marquette. <laughs> dude, so, do I. so do I, dude. I'm glad you said it because now we can both admit it. <laughs> like, like I, I wasn't kidding in the Biggie's season preview. They they were off to a bad start, losing both games at the 2K Classic back in November. And then that got me thinking like, oh, man, I, I, I totally hyped up this team for no reason. But they're actually they're doing pretty well right now. They turned around. I mean, they're 10-4. They've got some good young players, definitely a bright future ahead of them for the next couple of years. But do I see Villanova losing back-to-back games? No, I don't. Even with Marquette getting a week of preparation, they haven't played since last weekend. I just don't see the Golden Eagles being able to beat Villanova, and I just don't see Villanova losing back-to-back games. That's just something they haven't done in a long time, and Marquette just won't be the team to do that. Yeah, I I'd have to agree with you. I think your point about the losing back to back thing that I that just that won't Jay won't stand for it, and neither will the seniors. I don't think. So yeah, I, I got Nova as well in this one, and I do love Marquette. I think it's because it's the Wisconsin thing. I love my Packers, so therefore I love pretty much any other team from Wisconsin. So yeah, I'll go with that, and also because my friend went there, who I'm pretty close with. So as weird as it is, there was like about a three month, four month stretch of college basketball, I think I, – I wouldn't even say it was like the regular season. I wrote more about Marquette than I did Villanova. Oh, yeah, for uh, Big East Coast Buys. Yes, right. I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember you're like – I remember seeing your Twitter a few times. Like, you're hyping up Marquette. I'm like, Eugene, what, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Eugene at the office, 1.30 p.m. on his lunch break, hyping up Marquette, time to hype up <laughs> the Golden Eagles. <laughs> I'm like, who, who, who has a gun to your head that you have to write about Marquette? What did you do wrong? <laughs> but no, it was uh, it was willing, and I guess you got acclimated with them. So yeah, it was it was like, uh, oh, you have to earn your right to talk about Villanova. We want to make sure you're not biased. And then, all right, you can write about Villanova now. No, no, no. I still want to write about Sam Hauser. Yeah. <laughs> So we'll certainly keep an eye on that game. Once again, that's this Saturday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time mm-hmm. at the Wells Fargo Center. Will you be going? No, I was just about to ask you that. Uh, 
I was going to go, me and my friend were going to go, my Marquette alumni friend, but I have something to do Saturday, unfortunately. I will be covering some other games. I will not actually be able to go to the Wells Fargo Center, although I was able to get a couple tickets and give them as a nice Christmas gift. Hmm. So I hope those two people enjoy the game this Saturday. Oh, that's nice. Where are you? What, what games are you covering? Is it high school or college? Uh, mainly, mainly high school, and then maybe St. John's. I, I have to double check the sketch. Oh, swerve. Well, have fun with that. All right, moving over to the ladies, the Villanova Lady Wildcats. They turned their fortune around. They broke their four-game losing streak with a nice win over the Georgetown Hoyas, blowing out their rivals 71-50. to Chris, what did you see in this game that we just haven't seen? I don't know what it was. They, they were taking no prisoners last night. Right, yeah. They came out guns blazing. Adriana Hahn, 5 of 11 from deep. Megan Quinn, 2 of 3 from deep. Janana Tucker, 2 of 3 from deep. <laughs> Kelly Jacket, 2 of 3 from deep. You sense a common theme here. They shot very well from three-point range, 12 of 27 to be exact. And from the field, they shot 27 of 57. So it's a pretty good shooting night, and that's exactly what they needed to do to win because this team cannot win if they're not shooting well considering that they don't really – drive to the line, drive to the basket and get to the line. They did shoot five free throws though and hit all of them. So that is, I think that has to be a season high and they played good defense. Georgetown didn't really do much. They did shoot six or 13 from deep, but from inside the arc, they were a total of 18 from 56, not a great night shooting for Georgetown. Great night shooting for Villanova. That's a recipe for a win. Yeah. The Wildcats held the lead for almost 38 minutes. And for the last two minutes, the game was tied. So Georgetown never, Got to see what it was like to be in front. Nope. Yeah, looking at the box score here, it says Georgetown led zero minutes, zero seconds. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, we were I, we were actually talking about this last time, how, you know, I just didn't see Alex Lewin or Adriana Hahn just having another cold night. Adriana Hahn blew up for 23 points, game high right there. Alex Lewin was still a little quiet, seven points, but much improved from the last game that they talked about that we – discussed on the last podcast right kelly jacket contributing 10 points janet tucker contributing 12 megan quinn with 10 it was they it was a big night for the starting five yeah let's talk about kelly jacket for a little bit she was the biggest preseason rookie of the year for the women's basketball Mm -hmm. great game for her 22 minutes 10 points five rebounds shot four for eight two for three from deep looking pretty good looking pretty good she's been trending upwards as of late yeah, absolutely. She's uh, she's definitely come around lately and has been one of the few bright spots for this team, despite the bad sh- uh, stretch early on. And yeah, she is coming off the bench, but she is contributing high amount of minutes and is producing well in them. She, you can't really take minutes away from her at this point. You got to keep, even though she's starting on the bench, just keeps getting her in there as quick, quick as possible because she is contributing. Villanova needed to shoot the ball well from deep. It's something they haven't done much of as of late. They've been a little cold. Or they've been a little inconsistent. They got shut down last last game. We talked about how Janet Tucker was the only one able to knock it down from deep. This time around, you got many different players involved, knocking down threes, multiple threes. Big difference, very big difference. And it showed on the scoreboard. It showed on the stat sheet. And Georgetown just wasn't able to do much. Just wasn't able to do much. And this is a solid Georgetown team. Could this be the beginning of the turnaround for the Cats? 
you like to hope so, but I, I don't know. I don't know if you can replicate a shooting performance like this night in and night out. I think you're eventually going to trip up at some point. So maybe maybe they'll be able to pull off a few games in a row, but an extended stretch, I just can't see it. Well, next up, they got Providence. This is a Providence team that slowed down immensely. They had a hot 8-0 start, but after that, they lost four out of the next five games. Not not pretty good. Not pretty good. This is a, this is a Friars team that is struggling. Mm-hmm. They lost a close one to DePaul, which anytime you go have a pretty cool, good showing against the defending regular season conference champions, that's got to bode pretty well for you, but it doesn't really work out well for Providence, who just has been on a losing stretch as of late. What can we expect from them? So some of the key players for them, just to give you an overall perspective, uh, Giovanna T- Nojic, she's averaging 14 points per game. She is the team's sharpshooter. She's one of the best in the country, hovering around 50% from deep. That, that is truly amazing, uh, especially in the women's game right now. And she's nicknamed Yo-Yo. So that that's pretty cool. I like that nickname. I don't know how she got it or what it relates to. Yeah, but... I don't know what the story is, but I, I do like it too. I think it's a pretty good nickname. <laughs> we'll get our we'll get our sources on that one. Uh, <laughs> Sarah Beal, uh, second option for Providence. She's pure interior. She's a pure interior threat, and she's averaging approximately thirteen points per game. And Maddie Jolin, she's averaging ten points per game, shooting over forty percent from deep. So another good shooter on this team. So maybe they'll be able to keep up with Villanova in terms of three-point shooting. And she's the third best option for Providence right now. So Chris, who do you who do you got in this one? I mean, I know you, you we were talking about stretches, talking about could this be the beginning of a turnaround? Do you see at least Villanova extending its win streak to two? Is this is this at the pavilion? No, it's actually at Providence. All right. So at this test just got incredibly more difficult. I'm going to have to give this to Providence. Villanova's going on the road. They haven't been playing well on the road. They're not a good road team. And I just – if they can definitely – if they can replicate their performance against Georgetown, I absolutely see them pulling this one off. But I just – I don't know. I just don't think they can. They've been so streaky. It's it's literally flip a coin as, as to what team's going to show up. I think the bad one's going to show up. So I got Providence in this one. I, I'm going with Villanova again. You know, I saw them – beating Georgetown, and I just have faith in them again. I think this is a slumping Providence team that's just struggling to really turn it around or really get back on the right track, and hopefully this is the start of something. You know, it does very well for your confidence when you see that the ball is going through the hoop at a high clip. Now, obviously, like you said, it's hard to replicate such a shooting performance like that. Even, you know, whatever level of basketball you're at, really, you Mm -hmm. you know, these are the types of games you're thankful for to have. Shooting-wise, I don't think that they would shoot as high as they did last night, but I do think that they'll have a pretty good, solid performance. You know, as we've seen, if everyone can get it going or if everyone can contribute, it bodes well for the team. And right now, Providence just isn't so hot, so I'm, I'm going Villanova again. So enough of this basketball talk because we actually got some other things to talk about. You know, we mentioned how after the new year, other teams would start to get it going again, start it up, warm up those lacrosse sticks, start breaking those mitts. We actually got some pool action. The men's swimming team took on the United States Merchant Marine Academy, and they beat them 126-74 to 74 in their head-to-head meet on Tuesday. I don't know what it is. 
But I feel like if you're trying to join any kind of military, if you're if you're associated with with any kind of military branch, I don't know what the merchant marines exactly are, but I feel like you got to be pretty good at swimming. Yeah, I, I was gonna say <laughs> we're repeating uh, marines here. That's that's pretty impressive. <laughs> like like granted, you're you're still in school to become this military contributor, but at the same time, this is what you're in school for. Like like at least with. Army Navy football, you can give them a, you, you'll give them a pass. Right. Like, oh, they're not there to play football. Like, all the best football players are going elsewhere. Right. But this is literally what you do. Like, I'm sure you do this <laughs> as part of your physical training every day. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This is, they do this day in and day out. They wake up at 4 a.m. just to do this. <laughs> yeah, like, these guys love swimming so much that they do it for PT and then they do it for fun on the side. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, lifestyle and the hobby at the same time. It's pretty funny. I mean, total props to the Villanova men's swimming team, but this just, this just baffles me. Yeah. Same here. That's, I mean, yeah, it's cool. You beat Marines, but I feel like the U S merchant Marine Corps should be doing better at the same time. (laughs) This is like beating someone in culinary school in chopped or a cooking competition. Like, how do you do that? Yeah, no. Oh, that is a great analogy, sir. <laughs> great analogy. I'm just so perplexed. I, you know, this is totally nothing against either side. It's just no. Yeah, this I, is this is what you do. This has left me uh, completely speechless as well. <laughs> Maybe I need to educate myself more on what the merchant what what does it mean to be a merchant marine. As of right now, it's I'm I just don't get it. So after a quick Google search. A merchant marine is responsible for transporting cargo and passengers during peacetime. That is the Wikipedia version. That makes most sense to me right there. So I guess they kind of do a lot with swimming, but at the same time, they don't. I'm I'm sure it's definitely part of the routine, though. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I feel like anytime you're on a boat, I feel like training, swimming, swimming is definitely a part of your everyday routine. Yeah, for sure. You're not... You're not on a boat if you don't swim. I'm pretty sure the United States Marines would not allow that to happen. The men's swimming team will not get it going until next week when they have a meet against Princeton. So we're gonna, you know, we're gonna hold off on any kind of preview and talk for that until then. Mm-hmm. For now, we're gonna take a hiatus until Tuesday, as that's all the time we have for today. Thank you again for listening to the State of the Nova Nation podcast and for subscribing on iTunes as well as Podomatic, if you choose to be an iTunes hipster. That's okay, too. We appreciate that. Also, please don't forget to check us out at viewbenchmob.com. We'll have all your updates and news on all things Villanova sports. Please follow us on the Twitter sphere at viewbenchmob, or you can follow me, Eugene Repay, at erepay5. And you can follow me, Chris Stanzial, at the Stansman on Twitter. I highly recommend you follow Eugene because he came out with a fire tweet last night that was so freaking hilarious that I, I just had to pitch it right now. <laughs> and you won't know about it unless if you go follow us or take a look at our Twitter at least. Bingo. Nova Nation, just remember, we're number one, at least until Monday. R- rough start to 2017, but hey, we'll bounce back and we'll get back at it.